And with that, away we go. High Mystery. A note from the secret powers that control all the strings. An important step to brainwashing is to make sure people don't think they are being brainwashed, Uh but instead think slash know they are learning valuable information Mm. that has value in society. Then apply it to all levels of society through a hierarchy platform so the people at the top think they know best and the people at the bottom think the people at the top know best when it's all information we, the hidden powers that be, want the societal pawns to know and defend with their lives. Thank you. Applause. That has been a message from the men who control all the power in the streets. Oh, well, then they're probably lying to us to begin with. How no, this is them telling their people how to go about. Uh, like, this is the one percenters hangout. You know, hey, welcome to uh, <laughs> this another is summer the, of the one percenters yeah. where we talk about how we're going to continue global domination. The, the campfires, the naked bonfire in the in the forest. Yeah, definitely thing. throwing up uh, triangles and... Yeah. So, yeah, you're obviously listening to High History, the podcast. <laughs> Clearly. Because, <laughs> you know, you're going down another hole <gasps> deep down... And it's not Tristan's fault. Oh, okay. It's no, no, just okay. a different hole. No, but this is the podcast where we get enlightened with mm-hmm. enlightened with the help mm-hmm. of some MJ and then break down the confusing information that is human consciousness and the mysteries therein. Mm-hmm. I'm Tristan. I'm Robert. I'm Colin. And you're you. We got <laughs> Brian out there. <laughs> Rocking the ones and twos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to talk about what we're smoking today. Because this is a podcast where we get high and then talk about mysteries. Yes. I got my trusty pipe here, B Pipey Combs. And inside this awesome pipe is the Strange Sherbert. It's a hybrid. It's got 23.11% THC. And it's slipping in a sly 0.09 CBD. Mm. I have this banana split OG. It's by 3C Farms, uh, and it has got 28.01% total cannabinoids, but a THC count of 276.16 milligrams. So oh, what is that? There you go. Yeah, Hard sure. to say. I don't know. I'm just taking that. Mm. <laughs> oh, and uh, I am smoking it out of a new wrap, one of these higher standards wraps, premium hemp cones. There's absolutely 100% no saliva on this. Okay. And it just comes like this. So. I mean, while you were out of the room, I told uh, you. I so. gave it a lick. Free, free, free Tristan licking on it. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'll, we'll see. I tried this earlier with some absolutely garbage weed, so I don't think I got the right, you know. Yeah, we'll have feel to see if it. they really do have higher standards. Yeah, it's it's supposed to be a very good rap, so we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Indeed. We shall see. Uh, I have a little baby Jeter. Oh, he's a cute little Jeter. Yeah, 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 ye
Uh, it's Durban Poison. It's got 35.59% THC. Just to be clear, we say baby very like lightly. It's like the baby from uh, Roger Rabbit who's like saying they're smoking Pet. a cigar mm-hmm. and stuff. My stogie! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I just watched that recently. Oh. Um, it's like the noisy cricket from Men in Black. You know, yeah. It's tiny, but it does a lot. Mm-hmm. It packs a punch. Yeah, absolutely. And flavor-wise, they're so, like, mm, flavorful. It's true. Yeah, no matter which flavor you get, it's definitely got a uh, potent punch of flavor. Mm. Yeah. Shall we? We shall. Yeah, our powers come by. <laughs> With the powers of the universe, three men combine the powers of their THC devices. T. H C. I'm stoned as fuck. <laughs> All right. Who right. controls us? Is this shampoo? Uh, big is shampoo. It, it big is. lettuce. Shampoo actually has uh, nanobots. <laughs> and oh! Like, so rub it into your scalp. The nanobots go through hair follicles and attach themselves to key brain receptors. Well, I use all natural shampoos, so that's probably not my shampoo. Probably not, but <laughs> then, you know, you go into, like, uh, heavy water. It's heavy with nanoparticles. Oh, God. We're There's not no safe escape. anywhere. There's no, unless you're washing yourself in, like, a stream out where bears be. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's your mystery really about? Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> You'll give me the cues for the oh, that's yeah, because this is the first part of my four hundred and twenty <laughs> part series. Uh, oh shit! No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you don't really have four hundred and twenty episodes packed. No, I don't. Yeah. In the can? No, I man, if I did, I'd be straight chilling. I'd be like, research what? <laughs> Nothing. I'm straight for four hundred twenty. You would have done a doctorate level worth of research, right? At that point, here's my uh. Certificate to prove that Seriously. I am properly equipped to talk on this. A doctorate in cryptozoology. Mm-hmm. And conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, if there was one to be had. It's true. We're very close. The, <laughs> the education is just, listen to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, we'd be getting an honorary doctorate. Rob would have a degree in missing persons right. and strange happenings. I would have a degree in cryptozoology and TV theories. <laughs> Wouldn't that be that would be the basically the uh, plot for our movie that we're writing, the for high the mystery team? Yeah, where it's like somebody's kidnapped and <coughs> they they call me as the expert to, to like figure out the trace or you find like some hair that doesn't test positive, so yeah. they got to call in Colin. Yeah, what, what it's like I hair? think this is a Bigfoot, and <laughs> we got to call I show an expert up on the scene. I don't work with him anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, you always have to ask time. <laughs> I can't have things go down like they did in Waco. <laughs> uh, so no, this is probably going to be two parts. Okay. Uh, okay. Maybe three, oh. depending on uh, how much Traction tangenting we, we want to do. <laughs> sure. Uh, so one of the major, I'll say, throughout the hard quotes here for conspiracy theory, you know, oh. trademark the CIA circa JFK assassination. Okay. Uh, is that there have been many planned events. Uh, there have been many in the short lifespan that is the USA. Uh, to name 
a couple, 9-11, Sandy Hook, Aurora. I'll talk about those later. They all have their own episodes that I haven't researched yet. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, there have been some before, you know, the U.S. was a thing and in other countries continuing. But, you know, we're going to focus on the U.S. Let's do that for a second. Okay. For the love of God, please. Yeah, because that's, that's where we are. Yeah, you know. I know so much more about the U.S. than other countries. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Yeah. I just learned about Tuvalu. Tuvalu? Yeah. Is that someone else's Baloo? No, it's really, it's one of the world's smallest countries. Oh. Uh, it gets the least amount of uh, tourism in the world, apparently. And I watched a Yes Theory video where the guy visited to find out what it was all about. Do they just have really bad marketing? Like, it's actually a really nice place to visit, but they just have it marketed correctly? It's absolutely beautiful, for sure, but it doesn't have, like, the stuff you would expect to cater to, like, tourists. There's no resorts. There's no, like, any of the stuff you'd expect for a lot of tourism. Is there an international airport in Tuvalu? Do you have Um, to fly to fucking Brazil to get to Tuvalu or something? I'm sure. It's outside of Australia, so, yeah, you definitely have to uh, do some plane hopping. I think only two planes, though. That's not bad. Only one Still. plane goes there a day. But this isn't the Tuvalu episode. I'm just saying. I learned about <laughs> In all. this America-packed episode, <laughs> sure. we take a divergence yeah. to Tuvalu. There's two. a ton of great information out there that the U.S. just won't give you. Yeah. What's the That's U.S. The hiding from us yeah. on What's Tuvalu? What's that Tuvalu that we aren't supposed to know about? <laughs> Uh, so one of the earliest examples in the U.S. is that of the assassination oh, no. of President Lincoln. I thought we were going to be I've been talking about, about it. I've been beating around that bush for how many weeks now, and now he's jumping in. Such a bush tease. Yeah. Just beating around it. And now we're getting to a place where we cannot tell a lie. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure that was George Washington, right? No, no, he's honest, Abe. Yeah, he's so honest. I legitimately, not joking, on my drive uh, home from Hollywood, saw an Honest Abe construction trailer today. What's that mean? It was his premonition of today's episode. I mean, (laughs) yeah, there's an honest, it's, it's got Abraham Lincoln's face and everything. They've totally stolen Abraham Lincoln for their like construction company or something Public like that. Public domain at this point, right? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the but, Lincoln family should own it. Right? <laughs> like, I wouldn't. Uh, but I mean, I guess if he's on the $5 bill, he's got to be public domain. Yeah, and so. the penny. Well, and Mount Rushmore. Could be owned by the Treasury, I guess. Who knows? Anywho. <laughs> I know a lot of you are like, what? Nah, we all know what went down. I've known all about this since I was a wee child. About his assassination? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, only the barest details. I do know what happened to John Wilkes Booth. He jumped down, broke his ankle, but he got away initially, right? He did. He got away. With a broken ankle. Yeah. Do, do, do you yeah. talk about what happens to John Wilkes oh. in this? Oh, oh, they cover it off. We okay. lay it down. Okay, good. Yeah, We strip him bare. It's pretty solid. <laughs> Pretty solid. Um, so how does the story go? Where did we learn this information that we, society, educational system, have stuck to their guns with for so long? And if it's not the real story, then why, after all this time, are we still hanging on to it for dear life? The social narrative goes. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, 
the 16th president of the United States was assassinated by a well-known stage actor, John Wilkes Booth, on April 14th. 1865, while attending the play Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. No one ever talks about the lead actress's part. Right? <laughs> sexist bastards. <laughs> Shot in the head as he watched the play. Lincoln died the following day at 7.22 a.m. in the Peterson House opposite the theater. He was the first U.S. president to be assassinated. Uh, with his funeral and burial making an extended period of national mourning. Occurring near the end of the American Civil War, the narrative being sold is that the assassination was part of a larger conspiracy intended by Booth uh, to revive the Confederate cause by eliminating the three most important officials of the United States government. Conspirators Lewis Powell and David Harold were assassinated, were assigned to kill Secretary of State William H. Seward and George Atzerott. Uh, they were tasked with killing Vice President Andrew Johnson. <coughs> Beyond Lincoln's death, the plot failed. Seward was only wounded, and Johnson's would-be attacker lost his nerve. After a dramatic initial escape, Booth was killed at the climax of a 12-day manhunt. Powell, Harold Atzerott, and Mary Surratt were later hanged for their roles in the conspiracy. Mm. Yeah. Sounds light and simple enough, right? But there are some red flags. Some okay. of which could be taken as coincidence, but they are interesting red flags nonetheless. Yeah. Not just your plain red flags. Not like a red flag you'd use in a soccer game. Yeah. Not like on Los Angeles red flag days. Yeah, not like uh, you'd tie around. I don't know, maybe like those. (laughs) (laughs) Those aren't even literal flags. They don't even hang literal flags. (laughs) Oh, they're definitely not those. Yeah. (laughs) There's some literal You just have to know when the red flag day is. (laughs) When is it? I don't know. You have to look that up. It says it on the calendar. They say, uh, don't... uh, don't park here on red flag days, and you have to look that up. No, I thought red flag day just means that, like, fires are going to happen, and that, like, you have to keep that area clear for the fire trucks to come. Yeah, that's a red flag day. Yeah. Okay. When there must be, like, high hazard. So there's no fire. way to know. Yeah, you'd have to look it up. The weather is a thing. I thought a red flag day was on the beach. If the red flag's out, you know, it's really... You know, it's really tough surf. You shouldn't uh, be out there. You know what a red flag means in the Navy? <laughs> what? It's the Bravo flag. It means... Uh, you did job. a good job? Bravo! No. <laughs> Bravo means that uh, you're uh, transporting ammunition or fuel, things that are dangerous that to... Go boom? Boom, yeah. Boom. And you also fly the Bravo flag whenever you need to recall the people back to the ship because emergency danger. Oh. Just a little bit of something. So, you know, it's a if, big deal. If, you if they're flying the red on a flag. Navy ship, yeah. And you don't want to look like a fool. Keep in mind the red flag. Yeah. Yep. And the first red flag. Yeah, let's hear what's going on. Was the fact that John Wilkes Booth was an actor. Yes. Okay. It is admitted, but passed over as unimportant. But in manufactured events, you want actors involved because actors are trained to manufacture events. 
That's the job of an actor, as in any other job, you hire the professional. Yeah. The second red flag is that the assassination took place in a theater. It's a red flag because it's all theater. As with Booth being an actor, we have known about Forks Theater since we were children, but we, you know, the societal plebs, plebs, however you <laughs> yeah. like to pronounce it, mm -hmm. uh, have never let the fact really enter our consciousness. We have seen the fact, but have not observed it, just memorized it as a bit of history that we might need to regurgitate for a test, but have never looked closely at it. Uh, and we should have found both facts highly curious. Uh, no researcher has ever tripped over the fact of Lincoln's assassination being in a theater. The big clues are missing from the very beginning, which should tell us that we have been in the presence of poor research from day one. The third red flag <laughs> was this kind of statement, which you'll find over and over again in research regarding Lincoln's assassination. And the statement goes like this. Very few academic historians have studied Lincoln's assassination in any depth. And I think everyone will agree that that's weird, <laughs> right? Sure. It's the indication of a successful cover-up, and a cover-up is, of course, an uh, indication that we have been sold a lie and that what we're told <laughs> is not true. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I would say it's also sure. a very old happening you know, it's not like if it happened today, there'd be cameras, there'd be fucking people on the spot being able to contest what happened, what didn't. And I mean, he wouldn't have spent 14 days being on the run. Yeah. We catch Chris our guys that, pretty quickly in Chris the, uh, yeah, in America. I mean, that one dude, that internet killer or whatever, he evaded him for a long time. I'm just saying a presidential assassination. We've got Secret Service. Was this before or after Secret Service? This was Why? at the this is at the inception, so I'll kind of get into that. Sure. Later. So side note, because I'm gonna make some general statements about historians. General and obviously, you know, there are <laughs> exemptions to the statement. So don't come at me, historians. <laughs> <laughs> But the question is, why would historians avoid studying or writing about the assassination? Isn't that like what historians are supposed to do? Some would say that it seems that historians are mainly paid to tell the accepted story, to flesh it out, and then if they're really creative, to add somewhat to the lie. Mm -hmm. It seems that historians aren't especially interested in the truth, and the most famous ones seem the least interested. Well, I do know that uh, Bill O'Reilly... Uh, wrote a book about killing Lincoln called Killing Lincoln. <laughs> Very creative with his titles. He's, he's got a whole series of books of killing, things, killing yeah. people. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, the famous deaths or I guess assassinations. He's got Killing Kennedy. He comes up in my Kennedy thing. He's got yeah. Killing Lincoln. He's got Killing Somebody Else. Uh, <laughs> you know, of course, this isn't limited to like historians either. So like it appears uh, in like everyone in all fields. There's like an incredible amount of top-down control and there appears to be standing orders to avoid all truths at all times. And then, yeah. Avoid all truths at all times? I yeah, mean, like if you come, it's kind of like the police. When, how are we ever gonna talk to each other? <laughs> because it's like the police, whenever you come and you're like, oh yeah, so-and-so's acting 
inappropriately or doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, do they reprimand that guy? No, they fire the person who is whistleblowing. So it's kind of like that thing. Like you continue our narratives. If you try to not continue our narratives, you'll see that you don't like it. Sure. Yeah. Go on with the lie is what you're trying to say. Right. And just this is the information. Yeah. Even though you think it's not, I mean, this is the information. Yeah, I feel like some of it could be true. <laughs> they could, don't have to hide all truths all the time. <laughs> this is a hot dog. No, it isn't. <laughs> what if we know to be a hot dog is actually just like alien turds? <laughs> I've never personally made a hot dog. I mean, I guess if everything is in the matrix, then right, exactly. You know. Like everything's nothing. If yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. all code, bro. Yeah, <laughs> we're all part of Cicada three three zero one. That's right. <laughs> so the next red flag is the amount of current propaganda in support of the very old event. There's a lot of new misdirection on the assassination on the internet, and not just at history or encyclopedia sites. If you type in just about any question regarding the event, you get pages and pages of new lies and new fake debunking as if the event just happened. So at least... Fresh lies here. I got more lies yes. for you. Mm -hmm. Lies.com. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on the internet, so it's true. <laughs> the thing is, it's not lies.com. I've been searching for it. Gotcha. <laughs> Again? <laughs> So if you're investigating this thing, it makes you ask like a couple of questions. Why are living people spending so much time and effort retelling the old story? Why is it so important to keep the propaganda fresh and up to date on the Lincoln assassination? Why are historians still being shushed away from the event? Uh, and, you know, they're red flags simply because they indicate that there's still something worth hiding. And the more someone tries to convince you of A, the more you should look at B. And when the person is telling you that, uh, you know, things don't make sense, then you should double down on that. When the person has any connection to the government, immediately invest in B. All right. Mm -hmm. The next red flag. <laughs> okay. Red flags for days. It's a yeah, red flag no, day. just dumping them on us. I know. I mean, yeah. You're welcome to naysay any of these flags. I mean... But there's more to come. No need. We're in the who's to say camp. Right? Okay, good. It's a good we're, camp we're, to be. You know, we're hearing it out. <laughs> I mean, so I'm just wondering, are we trying to say that John Wilkes Booth didn't kill Kennedy? That's what I'm hearing. Like, or, Lincoln. You said Kennedy. Yeah, Lincoln. Lincoln. Sorry. Yeah, uh, we're not he, doing your mystery. He though. had a secretary <laughs> named Kennedy. <laughs> it's true. He's related. Um, wait, I lost my <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, right now, it still sounds like John Wilkes Booth killed Kennedy. Like, <laughs> Lincoln. Ooh, yeah, Lincoln. 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 Sorry. For fuck's sake. You know how many I'm times. You know how many times I have said Kennedy in the past fucking like three months? It's been goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> So you're talking about Lincoln. John right? Wilkes Booth killed Lincoln, and what, I have not seen anything that says otherwise. Well, what right Tristan's now saying, I've been highlighting yeah. that there are su suspicious things around the telling of it, and right. sure. if there are suspicious things around the telling, then it probably leads to the fact that it's not a truthful story. Okay, so yeah. So I haven't even gotten to. I mean, they they would have that. had to have silenced. An entire theater of people. No, 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 no. He's saying no. it happened in a theater with an actor. It's easy to convince a crowd of anything. 
Chris Angel does it every week in Vegas. Sure. Yeah. So he convinces people he cuts people in half, right? And then they run off stage. So Tristan is just putting like, or this theory is putting forth the idea that it was a prop gun. Oh, know. and that Lincoln was not actually assassinated. Maybe. He's living in fucking Vusco, wherever you think you said that island is. Vulu. I will get to I will get more into like the exact theory that this proponents because it is close to that but it's not exactly that right okay because that is a possibility as well all Tristan's saying so far is that we have this story yeah it's that, weird that we're not assassin, supposed to believe it right it's weird that our assassin is an actor it's weird that our assassination takes place in the theater and okay. it's weird that we have the basic story no one's researched into the story right. they just keep regurgitating the story and saying that this story is how it happened even though they haven't really looked into x y and z Right. Okay. So, <laughs> the the other red flag was the description of the assassination by Walt Whitman. So oh. not many people know that Whitman gave a series of lectures in 1879 to 81 called The Death of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, so, here's a little excerpt from his memoranda, which... Uh, was written at the time, so he was apparently there witnessing it. Okay. He wrote it, and then he said he frequently revised his thing as, like, he remembered more stuff or as, like, information came to light. Like, he saw Booth hurt his leg. Later, he finds out through media that it's a broken leg. He puts in here, like, so a good leg. He's not updates. updates, broken leg. Later, we find out it's a broken leg or whatever. Knowing sure. Walt Whitman, it'll be wordy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it is, because he's a poet. Yes. You know, sure. <laughs> so, uh, excuse me for this horrible rendition. Oh, oh no, no, no. It's going to be the best rendition. <laughs> let me... Trust. Let me... I've got to prepare my, my linguistics here. Yeah, get the, get the pipes ready for Walt Whitman's wordiness. <laughs> is overly dreamy, sentimental language about <laughs> tall grass and trees. And no, no relation to Walter White. No, no. no. I don't think anybody was confused. <laughs> Some people I mean, he is guy, a Walt White man. Right, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Through the general hum following the stage pause... With the change of positions came the muffled sound of a pistol shot, which not one hundredth part of the audience heard at the time. And yet a moment's hush. Somehow, surely a vague, startled thrill. And then, through the ornamented, drapiered, starred and striped spaceway of the presidential box, a sudden figure, a man, Raises himself with hands and feet, stands a moment on the railing, leaps below to the stage, and then in uh, parentheses, a, a disastrous or perhaps 14 or 15 feet. So later he like figured out the height, so he like added it. Mm -hmm. uh, falls out of position, catching his boot heel in the copious drapery, mm. which is the American flag. The copious. So much drapery. 
Uh, Could only be described as a copious amount. <laughs> Almost overindulgent amount, really. Imagine yeah. Elton John's dinner. <laughs> How many drinks that room had? Double it. Copious. Multiply it. <laughs> You've never seen so many drinks. <laughs> Falls on one knee, quickly recovers himself, raises as if nothing had happened. He really sprains his ankle, but unfelt then. Mm-hmm. And so the figure, Booth, the murderer dressed in plain black broadcloth, bareheaded with full glossy raven hair, oh. and his eyes like some mad animals flashing with light and resolution, yet with a certain strange calmness, holds aloft in one hand a large knife walks along not much back from the footlights, turns fully toward the audience, his face of statuesque beauty, lit by those basilisk eyes. Oh my <laughs> lord, wow. Flashing with desperation, perhaps insanity, launches out in a firm and steady voice the words of six scepter Tyrannus, and then walks with neither slow, nor very rapid pace, diagonally across to the back of the stage and well, disappears. He couldn't exactly run. No. no. <laughs> uh, had not all this terrible scene making the mimic once preposterous, had it not all been rehearsed and blank by Booth beforehand. Uh-huh. So they're speculating that it was like very meditated, like, oh, I'm gonna do this and then I'm gonna hop down and I'm gonna make it so theatrical. I mean, he's just a theatrical guy. He's he uh, an he's an actor and like uh I I've uh, yeah, I, mean, I read a, a book uh, recently about <laughs> Shakespeare throughout America. Humble brag. <laughs> right. Wow. He's reading books. Gosh. <laughs> it just talks about uh, Booth. That's how I learned about how he died and why it's so crazy. But it talks about how he performed yeah, he and to... Shakespeare and he would like, he was known at the time for like jumping off of very high things onto the stage and like having Parkour. that presence and oh. stuff. Uh, Parkour! So he, he had been doing it <laughs> since he was a kid because that's what he, he and his brother did. Mm-hmm. I think he had two brothers. Yeah, two brothers that were, were both actors. Both actors. Family yeah. of actors, much like, uh, what are those guys? The Baldwins? Yeah. Oh. The Murrays? Yeah. <laughs> There's a few more. The Arquettes. The, uh, 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 the Coppolas. <laughs> all of them. They're all there. Yeah, yeah. Nailed them all. So, the Francos. The yeah. Francos. There's two of them. You can't get yeah. any Francos. James and <laughs> Got at least the, be three. The Calkins. The Calkins. True. True. That's the new one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we can hold all- on. <laughs> yeah. We're listening, Hollywood family members. <laughs> Keep the, going. I'm gonna smoke the, the Afflecks. <laughs> <laughs> the brothers Affleck. <laughs> oh Lord, God love it. <laughs> We're helping. The Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome the back father, to son, the Hollywood Families, the podcast. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Hollywood Dynasties. <laughs> so we can admit that that was a pretty strange 
telling of events, even though like we get that he he's got to put it into his poetic language. Sure, but it's definitely um, coming across theatrical. Yeah, and it's interesting that you know this is the standard story. Sure. Um, what did the actors do? I, there's never like a description because like this the play is presumably happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll get into that. Okay, I, I mean, I well, would... just the fact that there's no one there—it's very suspect. What do you mean? That yeah, there's no one there rushing him immediately. That he has time to like. I'll, I'll go. Ahead. But like, I'm wondering, like, did he conveniently do this like right at intermission, or like, I assume it would be like in the midst of a scene, or like. Was there a chorus line kicking? Maybe, and then like I mean, when he jumps down with a knife, everyone just like runs off stage, I guess, like in fear. I don't well, know. Well, that's not very professional. I, I, right? <laughs> the show must go on. They're like still like doing their chorus line while he's yeah. like doing his thing. I think it is like supposed to be a, a comedy play. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah, that's going on. Huh. Now is a laugh break. Perfect time. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, the thing that Whitman misses, he says, like, sprained ankle or whatever, but it was, like, a broken fibula mm. that he, like, supposedly got. Um, anyways. Huh. Okay, and that's one of the bones in your lower leg, right? Yeah. So, Tibia and a fibula? Yeah. Yeah, it's like the shin. So that's a pretty bad break, then. Yeah, you would definitely be, like moving pretty slow i mean the yeah. adrenaline i'm sure is like sure. keeping him moving. if this is legitimate of how it happened yeah seems pretty incredible though yeah um, i mean even if he faked the assassination itself or even if it was uh staged he still jumped from the balcony to the stage so yeah that's pretty crazy yeah um, so here's a, a thing that we should be interested in. Is okay. That the pistol shot was muffled, quote unquote. Okay. And so like, again, this is a theater. So like <clears throat> technically shouldn't there have been like an echo? Like Yeah, gunshot would be fucking loud in a theater. Yeah, they're not built to muffle sounds. Um, they didn't have a silencer. <laughs> yeah, no. So, like, everyone in the audience would have heard the gunshot from the president's box. Uh, Booth should have had 10 men, like, on him immediately in that instance. But we're told in the variations of the story that Booth fired during a loud laughter from the audience after a joke on stage. Uh, but in 1879, Whitman doesn't have it that way. So even though later people are like, oh, well, they didn't hear it because of uh, the laughter or whatever, you know, his telling of it in 1879 was that it was like a muffled shot and that it wasn't during uh, a, a laughing part. It was actually mm-hmm. during a, a down whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though he was like making notes and reviving them off, off revise, revive, <laughs> revising them often. Yeah, he was constantly updating this poetry that he has. Yeah, and he never changed his stance on it. But I mean, so Walt Whitman was in the theater? Supposedly. Supposedly. But he, you could also see him as just like a propagandist who's like creating this story in favor of, you know, like X, Y, and Z comes to him and is like, hey, we need you to push this story. And sure. he's like, yeah, people will believe I was there and 
my beautiful words. Well, I mean, if it was hired to, he kind of screw it up because he contradicts the other story. Well, the other story comes out like later or oh, whatever okay. when people gotcha. are like, but wait, that doesn't make sense. Like a muffled gunshot. And what they're is, like, no, it, there was laughter or whatever. What does uh, Mary Todd Lincoln say? We'll get into <laughs> some Mary Todd Lincoln stuff. <laughs> Probably later. some crazy ramblings and then threw a cat at the wall or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Has she lost her mind or something? Yeah. Does, doesn't she? Uh, I think she dies. Well, yeah, she becomes the cat lady. The cat steps in litter, steps on her uh, face, and then she goes crazy. We haven't she goes that to like yet. she goes <laughs> to like an insane asylum or something, and in, in her oh. late years or something like that. I don't know Mary Todd's whole story. Gotcha. As with current manufacturer events, no one can get their story straight, even fourteen years later after the fact. Part of the story should have been very easy to confirm since they are supposed to have had a theater full of witnesses, quote-unquote. Mm. And if it was the standard story in 1879, why didn't the paid propagandist Whitman have it in his revised notes? Number two. <laughs> Number two. Why would Booth jump down to the stage? You know, people are like, to avoid capture. Yes, but it would have been far easier and wiser to retreat behind the curtain of the box and to flee down the back corridor. Well, my understanding is that he did that because, A, he legitimately thought he could jump. <laughs> and safely and, land and just run Yeah, off. and just run off. Uh, but also, B, that there's probably somebody standing like, nearby yeah that would have tackled him if he were to run that way all right well on stage with a twisted ankle or broken leg booth should have been a sitting duck for both men from the audience and men on stage or backstage but unworried by the fact booth pauses to address the audience and to hold up a knife and again he just killed the president with a gun not a knife so like now he's got a knife uh, so, and also we're expected to believe that he just jumped 15 feet down with like a large knife in his hand or pocket. Like, uh, you know, you'll say that maybe it was in a sheath, but the story is that Booth fought with Major Henry Rothbone, who was also in the box with Lincoln, wounding him with the knife. Um, so again, try to jump down 15 feet with a large knife in your hand. I've personally jumped from large height and it's very difficult to land without, you know, injuring an ankle or a knee, even without a knife. Yeah. I mean, even Jackie Chan broke his ankle on Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. You have to like roll forward and catch yourself <clears throat> and or roll, do all these things. Um, you know, he's not dropping down like Captain America, like. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't do superhero landing. Yeah. And then more importantly, struggling with Rothbone should have taken some time. Uh, and then with the shot fired, the woman screaming and the fight with Rothbone, like everyone in the theater should have been alerted to the president's box. There would have been at least like a dozen men at the base of the box just waiting for Booth. He would have leapt right into the arms, not onto like a deserted stage. Booth was also said to have a stick with him, which he jammed the door of the presidential box, keeping anyone from coming into the box uh, from that direction. Mm. 
He's said by a famous witness to have passed a note to an usher to be let into the box. Uh, so <laughs> to set the stage, if you will, just mm-hmm. like speaking to the usher, Booth was carrying a large stick, a gun, and a large knife. Uh, and then in order to get into the president box with at least three weapons, all he had to do was pass a note to the usher. I mean, because he is an actor. So, you know, it's just like maybe one of those things like, I just want to meet the president. want to tell him like, hey, or maybe the president wants to meet me because I'm such a famous actor. But there's just an usher there. The president, <coughs> where's the president's security? Like, wouldn't they let him, like, they wouldn't let him travel during the Civil War without protection. That's just like not a thing. Uh, We're told in the mainstream stories that Booth was a well-known rebel sympathizer, but we're told he was, uh, okay, so what we were told was that he was a rabid Confederate supporter, making no effort to hide it, and yet he lived in North, he lived in the North. He was born in Maryland and acted mostly in Union and border states, spending a lot of time in Boston and New York and almost no time in the South. Yeah, but Boston, though. I mean, that's a horrible place. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Boston? Just kidding, Boston. Uh, Everyone can make fun of Kentucky. I can make fun of Boston once in a while. (laughs) I I think you have to be from the place to make fun of No. (laughs) (laughs) Not if you live in Boston. (laughs) (laughs) They make fun of everybody. (laughs) Uh, The rest of his family was blue to the core. Booth was engaged to a New Hampshire senator's daughter, and this senator was not a Democrat, much less a rebel. Mm -hmm. People will say that that's not so rare, but the problem is that it conflicts with another part of the story, uh, which we see here. We're told that Booth was let into the box because he was a famous actor. But even so, according to the mainstream story, he was a famous actor known... uh... Wait... Known to be against the president. <laughs> known for his nudes. Knows, known for being able to jump from high distances. Right. Known to be a <laughs> raving enemy of the Union. So, oh. like, if Lincoln's Secret Service had a no-fly list, like, Booth would be on that list. If if it's true that th- all of this is true. He acted his way past them. Right? <laughs> he had a mustache on. And My God, his acting is magnificent! <laughs> but, yeah, so... It's, the standard story makes no sense. It contradicts itself, like, in a bunch of places. Uh, once on stage, Booth is now holding off every man in the theater with a knife. No one man in the theater has a gun or sword during the Civil War. Like, that's mm-hmm. not a thing. Everyone, I mean, you're going everyone's to the theater. Packing. Yeah, but you still have your ornamental, whatever. People be packing all types of guns during this time. <laughs> Derringers out the wazoo. I'm taking my theater gun today. <laughs> Honey, where's my theater gun? Yeah. <laughs> I can't go down and look like an idiot. The only one without his rifle. But no one confronts the single man with a knife. Like, you could have at least been like, oh, we got numbers on him. Uh, and again, Booth was known as an actor, not as a decorated soldier. So, like, in other words, he's not a fighter. No. So, like, any soldiers listening... Are you afraid of actors? Like, probably not. <laughs> What's your point? Because you to war. You've, like, fought people who are trained killers, and then you're going to be like, oh, I'm afraid Tristan, of this actor. This is this is thin. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand what your point you're is. Saying, the point just... is, is that 
he would have been bum rushed in a second. He wouldn't have had oh, time to like do his whole thing. People would have taken him out in a I, second. I, I, mean, I would be scared with of a toddler with, with a, a knife with a knife or <laughs> I mean and I, I've been to war, so <laughs> <laughs> have you? Yes. <laughs> I mean he, he was on active duty. Uh, Operation Iraqi happening. Freedom and Enduring Freedom. Okay. I don't know what but I would, combat is a different thing. Yeah. That's what I mean. People <laughs> who have seen combat, this is civil war. All these dudes have been in the Yeah, trench. they probably all got shell shocked too. I was gonna say, I don't understand where this idea is. Is the theater like putting on a performance for the troops? This is the yeah. whole what all of this is leading to is just how absurd the story is. Gotcha. Sure. And that if this is the general narrative, it makes no fucking sense. I'm just having a really fun time with the idea that like 300 battle-hardened warriors I wanted know. to go out for a night at the theater. <laughs> like, I don't think the front row was lined with battle-hardened warriors. Like, I, I mean... <laughs> it's the theater. <laughs> I mean... I'm from the theater. The I came up from in the theater. I'm queer. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a lot of queer people who like theater. It's the theater. Like, have to do you have nothing. All I'm saying is... It's, it's high-class society. There's old people. Not, not, not just, everybody, though. And that's the point, is that no, there sure. would have been some people there who <laughs> felt like they could have been heroes to <laughs> save the day. It probably happened so fast that they didn't have time to, like... What do you mean? He gave a speech. He jumped down. He said a thing. He slowly limped <laughs> off stage. I feel like they It could have happened just... over an hour. I'd be like... Happened so fast. <laughs> I just didn't have time to rush that toddler with a knife. All right. Well, here, here's another problem. We'll throw that one. To the no, that was okay. too thin. It's fine. It's fine. Honestly, like I see what you're saying. Like I it get does, it. it. It makes sense. The idea that somebody could attack him or like do something. Okay. But uh, the more just, important part. Uh, yeah. Right. I just contending with the idea that there's a lot of grizzled veterans <laughs> waiting to fight somebody or something. Dude, there. they love this play. Uh, <laughs> the American whatever. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. The American something. Uh, the president box at Forge Theater, the box is actually on stage itself. So like most of the 1,700 mm. people who were supposedly in the auditorium would be able to see right into the box. They would have seen any struggle in the box immediately. So the idea that Booth could jump down on stage before anyone in the audience realized what was happening is like absurd. So another problem, uh, interesting thing to know is that the theater has been renovated many times and that the stage is actually higher now than it was then. Hmm. So if you see a picture of it now, you'll see the stage is well above the first level of seating, which should look odd since the highest paying viewers would then have to look up at the performers um, and those in the front rows, any performers near the <laughs> rear or the deep stage would be practically blocked. Uh, this was caused by the raising of the stage. So why raise the stage? One could suggest that it was because it lessened the height from which Booth appeared to have jumped. Most sources try to minimize the height to this day. Although Whitman admitted it was as much as 15 feet, most sources try to tell you it's like 10 or 12 feet. And the truth is that the height from the railing was closer to 18 feet, given the original stage. Uh, so that distance, 18 feet to 12 feet, is like a huge distance and then if you're jumping 18 feet with a large knife in your hand 
and then you have to give a speech and then you have to run away from the mob out the back door. Uh, it sounds very highly unlikely. So I guess in that sense, we're kind of leading up to the point that uh, all of it is a fake story. <laughs> <laughs> fake news. That's, this is the original fake news. That's the theory anyway. So uh, we find confirmation of what happened to Forge Theater right after the assassination. Even Wikipedia has this. It says that following the assassination, the United States government uh, appropriated the theater with Congress paying four dollars to $100,000 in compensation. An order was issued forever, forever prohibiting its use as a place of public amusement. Between 1866 and 1887, the theater was taken over by the U.S. military and served as a facility for the War Department. Uh, which should sound familiar given that we know of more recent manufactured events, uh, like how they closed and slash tore down and uh, or confiscated all the crime scenes after 9-11, or how they tore down the Sandy Hook Elementary after the lead shooting. Again, those are things that I'll get into on another episode. Uh, but that's how it's done, and it's how it's always been done for uh, staged events. Mm -hmm. The best way to deter any private or real investigation is to close or destroy the crime scene. In the Lincoln assassination story, they did both. First they closed it, then they bought it, then they renovated it many times. This is all but uh, prevalent in later analysis. Which brings us to the next question no one ever asks. <laughs> Why wasn't Booth fighting in the war? You'll say that the war was most likely over by 1865, but what about before 1860, like 1864, 1860? Why wasn't Booth fighting for the South if he was so, like, pro-Confederate? Uh, if he was in his 20s and living in the North and able-bodied, why wasn't he drafted for the North? He's a spy. Yes. Uh, He's an actor. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you try to research John Wilkes Booth being drafted, you'll be surprised at how whitewashed the subject is, uh, both on the internet and in books. There's a curious story from Wikipedia that Booth attended a hanging on December 2nd in 1859 of an abolitionist leader, John Brown, who was executed for leading a raid on the Federal Army of Harps Ferry. Uh, that's like West Virginia. Booth had been uh, okay. Yeah, he'd been rehearsing at the Richmond Theater uh, when he abruptly decided to join the Richmond Grays, a volunteer militia of fifteen uh, fifteen hundred men traveling to Charlestown for Brown's hanging uh, to guard against attempt of abolitionists to rescue Brown from the gallows by force. When Brown was hanged without incident, Booth stood in a uniform near the scaffold, afterwards expressed great satisfaction with Brown's fate, although he admired the condemned man's bravery in facing death stoically, uh, which is very odd for a few reasons. The first ties into the fact that uh, the founder, Henry Steele Alcott, was also on hand for hanging of John Brown as a spy for the New York Tribune. Alcott later worked for the War Department and in intelligence and was on the panel investigating the assassination of Lincoln. 
Booth also looks much like a spy or agent in that scenario, since the given story doesn't make any sense. Uh, the real the reason they had to come up with this story is that Booth was photographed standing near the scaffold in a gray uniform, and they need to explain it. The problem is Booth was already a rich and famous actor by 1859, and Wikipedia admits that he was making half a million a year by that time. Damn, what? that's reason enough not to fight in the war. Yeah, yeah. so do you really think the Richmond Greys are going to allow a famous millionaire actor from the North to volunteer for a single event and then unvolunteer a few weeks later? Like, it doesn't work that way. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, like, try to go volunteer for the Army right now and then, like, try to unvolunteer the next month. <laughs> See how that goes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would be pretty easy in Civil War times. You just wander off. Nobody ever see you, hear from you ever just again. Just assume you're dead. <laughs> Seriously, like, <laughs> you could literally, like, where'd he go? I don't know. He walked toward West Virginia. <laughs> Never saw him again. Yeah. <laughs> so, started a new life. Yeah. Another. He literally, he literally walked past that tree, and <laughs> anything that I could have ever known about his existence from that point further, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I see you in 1865, I don't know anything about you. Okay. <laughs> uh, so the story would go that Booth was acting like a Richmond Gray and failed to get caught by the real Grays in the turmoil of the event, uh, which then would explain why he was able to just walk away from that part later. Mm -hmm. uh, mainstream sources admit that Booth went right back to the theater and finished the 1859 to 60 season in Richmond. He then went back north for a tour of major cities. Uh, John Brown was also an agent, and his death was also faked, but that's another. That's part two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm not going to talk about that ever again. That's oh, a, that's a whole different. <laughs> that's maybe bananas. a piece of information that's thrown into Tristan's hole that may or may not surface. Oh. <laughs> Uh, if the Richmond Grays didn't give him the uniform and set him up in the part, who did? It's pretty obvious, guys. Union intelligence did. <laughs> and that uh, is just one more piece of evidence indicating that Booth was working for them all along. Actors don't get draft exemptions, but actors who are also hidden agents do. Uh, and looks of an actor allow him or her to do many things a normal person could not do, which explains many other things, including his relationship with his family, his relationship with Hale's daughter, and his being forgiven, his wild and temptuous statements. Most ranking people in the North knew that it was all an act, and those who didn't could be filled in later, you know, when, when necessary. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Mr. Booth, you can't go in there. I remember when I was stopped one time. <laughs> stopped just like this. He tells a, yeah. a whole epic story. He like falls asleep. Acting's yeah. too good. <laughs> By the end of it, the guards are just like weeping <laughs> uncontrollably. And he's like, that's what I thought. I'll be going inside now. <laughs> so we got to return back to Whitman's story okay. from the theater. Is yes. there more? Yes, there's another chapter. Is there a reveal? <laughs> no, I'm just going to get to this point where I can do a recap and then I'll end this, uh, I'll end this sucker. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so a moment's hush, a scream, the cry of murder, 
Miss Lincoln leaning out of her box with ashy cheeks and lips with involuntary cry pointing to the retreating figure. He has killed the president! And a still a moment's strange, incredulous suspense, and then the deluge. Then the mixture of horror, noise, uncertainty, the sound somewhere back of a horse hoofs clattering with speed. The people bursting through chairs and railings and breaking them up. There is inextricable confusion and terror. Women faint, quite feeble persons fall and are trampled on. Many cries of agony are heard. The broad stage suddenly fills to suffocation with the dense and motley crowd. Like some horrible carnival, the audience rush generally upon it, at least the strongmen do. The actors and the actresses are all there in their play costumes and painted faces with the mortal fight, mortal fright showing through the, the rouge. The screams and calls confused talk redoubled, trebled. Two or three managed to pass up water from the stage to the president's box. Others try to clamber up. In the midst of all this, the soldiers of the president's guard with others suddenly draw to the scene, bust in some 200 altogether. They storm the house through all the tears, especially the upper ones, inflamed with fury, literally charging the audience with fixed bayonets, muskets, and pistols, shouting, clear out, clear out, you sons of something. <laughs> it edited itself. Uh, Such the wild scene or a suggestion of rather inside the playhouse that night. Mm. So, Miss Lincoln waits until after Booth has jumped down on stage, delivered his little speech, uh, He's and then I'm going to cry out to everybody that he's killed the president. You know, she doesn't want to interrupt his brilliant performance. <laughs> Uh, the strong man rushed the stage, but only after Booth has gone limping off off stage. Uh, and the president's guard suddenly drawn to the scene after Booth has fired shots, knifed Rothbone, jumped down, waved his knife, said his speech, and then they come bursting in 200 strong as if to make up in numbers what they lacked in beginning there to start with. Mm. Why were 200 guards waiting outside ready to burst in altogether? That by itself would signal some kind of, like, foreknowledge. I mean, to me, it's just Walt Whitman using colorful language. It probably was just, like, 20 guys, but to him it felt like a lot, and so he just used a number that felt like a lot. That or he, he like, interviewed people <laughs> or something like that, and, like... One guy was like randomly, oh, yeah, it was like a hundred people. Yeah. You know, and so he's like, well, I'm going to go with the biggest numbers because that tends to be the, uh, the get you lines. True. But mm. we also see with current fake events where the police arrive before the shots are fired or where fire trucks at the Pentagon before the alleged plane crashes, et cetera. So there have been other examples where. It seems like somehow there was foreknowledge that there was going to be an event and that we're expected to believe that 200 guards or maybe 150 or 100, whatever it was, or police are just hanging around outside the theater, but not one of them is anywhere near the presidential box or staged inside the theater. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ain't that some shit? <laughs> <laughs> 
If only one guard had been allowed to watch the show. Right? <laughs> uh, they were all taking a pee break at the same <laughs> time. So one would say that they didn't want audience members or the public outside take uh, like talking to each other and like comparing notes. They didn't want anyone asking questions or answering questions. They wanted to roust everyone out with maximum violence, giving them such a case of PTSD uh, that like who's to say what you didn't or didn't see. Mm. Uh, and then basically you just would believe whatever the news reports told them they did see or didn't see. Yeah. Uh, we're giving the lame story of the lack of guards inside as well. We're told that the presidential box was supposed to be guarded by a regular DC policeman named John Frederick Parker and that he wandered off to a nearby tavern at intermission. Oh man, I definitely believe that. Uh, <laughs> this is the most believable thing you've said all that. I know they love to bungle, but come on. I, I can, yeah, that I can is, see that. That's some top-notch police work to me. Yeah, you're going to stand out there the whole fucking place. It's like three hours. Also, Nobody's coming to this this presidential booth. Why only one regular policeman to guard the president during the Civil War? This is a good one. Well, yeah, who but was he won, this? You know, so it's like, <laughs> who was this one policeman hired to guard the president? Interestingly enough, during his time as an officer, he was charged with uh, dereliction of duty and conduct, unbecoming of an officer several times for being drunk on duty, sleeping wow. on staircases while at work, and visiting brothels, which he claimed the madam had sent for him. I mean, sorry the dude knows how to party. Right? <laughs> yeah. God, sorry's a good time. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that they would put that guy on fucking, you know, babysitting a door duty. <laughs> He's door watch for the president. <laughs> yeah. During yeah. the Civil War. Yeah, like, I'm interested sure. a little more on that point. <laughs> yeah, but you're not putting James Bond on the case, you know? <laughs> okay, but here you go. He afterwards he was you know, reprimanded for the acts, but he was never fired. <laughs> he was charged with oh. neglect on duty and tried on May 3rd, 1865, but no transcript of the cases were kept. And the complaint was dismissed on June 2nd, 1865, in spite of leaving his spot the night Lincoln was shot. Mm. Parker was still assigned to work security at the White House. Okay. So, so even also, though he left his duty yeah. and the yeah. president got killed, he still is like, yeah, you can work at the White House. I mean, judges don't, uh, they don't tend to lock up cops, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, you just get, uh, it's a lateral movement. Yeah. But also that no transcripts were kept and the complaint was dismissed. Uh, yeah. I think today they call it the glamour response, but we're seeing it 150 years after the fact. Uh, they would, anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This guy seems to just keep getting promoted. You know, bad things happen, he gets promoted. Yeah. He's gonna take a shit in the Oval Office and then he's gonna become president somehow. <laughs> we uh, find out actually Rutherford B. Yeah. Well, here's something interesting is that prior that to the war, <laughs> Pinkerton developed several investigative techniques still used today. Among them are shadowing, which is surveillance of a suspect, and assuming a role, which is undercover work. 
When the Civil War began, Pinkerton served as head of the Union Intelligence serving during the first two years, foiling an assassination plot in Baltimore, Maryland, while guarding Abraham Lincoln on his way to Washington, D.C. His agents often worked undercover as Confederate soldiers and sympathizers to gather military intelligence. Pinkerton served on several undercover missions as a Union soldier using the alias Major E.J. Allen, and he was succeeded as Intelligence Service Chief by Lafayette Baker. The Intelligence Service was the predecessor of the U.S. Secret Service. So Lincoln was not... Uh, he was not guarded by one of drunken policemen. He, he should have been and was guarded all, all times by the Intelligence Service, just like the president is today. So given that, the mainstream story falls apart. Why would the intelligence service allow Booth into the box? Even more to the point, why would they lie about it later? Try to convince you Lincoln was not guarded. Even more to the point, we find this John Parker was very close, closely related to Mary Todd Lincoln. Oh. It's an inside jab. <laughs> One might also find it strange that Walt Whitman is repeating this ridiculous story 14 years, 14 years later and that people are paying to come hear him recite it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone should be asking who Whitman is and why is he repeating such lies and doing it with <laughs> pompous flourish? Yeah, <laughs> He's a man with a great big white beard. Mm. Why hasn't anyone ever contradicted this obvious lie. Not even Mark Twain, who should have had a field day with this, tried. <laughs> Where were you, Mark Twain? You really missed He loved the ball. to do it. I Why mean, not this one? He was Drop just ball, Twain. He was still little baby Samuel Clemens at the time. Uh, <laughs> it's also worth looking at that the owner and manager of Ford's Theater, John T. Ford, not only did he own many prominent theaters, North and South, he was a major industrialist and railroad tycoon, being president of the Union Railroad Company and a director of the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. He was also involved in baking. Uh, we're told that after the event, Ford and his brothers were arrested as possible conspirators, spending 39 days in jail. But that's also just a story, like who, who's to say if that really happened? People suspect that it was uh, reported as a diversion to keep eyes off the real connection to the story. Um, he was close to the booths, and the mainstream spun that to make you think that he might have been part of the Confederate conspiracy. However, Booth is not who you thought, and that is all misdirection. Ford's ties to the booths are important, but not for the reason that we've been sold. None of them were Confederate conspirators. Ford was a Baltimore elder, and Baltimore was in the North. In fact, the whole state had been under direct federal supervision since 1861 to prevent it from succeeding. As a major capitalist not dependent on slavery or tobacco, Ford was part of the supervision, not part of the resistance. Uh, and then in 1865, the government bought the theater from Ford for $100,000, which is about like $3 million today. Yeah. <laughs> so like if he was really a conspiracy person or like a person part of the the plot to kill Lincoln, why would they like pay him all that money for the, the theater? They would just take it as evidence. 
Unless it's like a reward, it's like a thanks, good going. <laughs> it's an attaboy. <laughs> yeah, it's a good solid attaboy. <laughs> uh, just to recap, we have seen the ridiculous theatrics from Booth, an actor. We've seen a staged event in a theater. We've seen reported events that simply could not have happened in any real life situation with none of these people acting like people normally act. Some would say in real life, Miss Lincoln would have screamed as soon as the first shot was fired and would have yelled, he's been shot immediately. Booth could not have escaped from a crowded theater, guard or no guard, but he especially could not have escaped by jumping down onto stage, breaking his leg, giving a speech, etc. Again, this was 1865 during the Civil War. 50 men in the audience would have shot him or run him through with a sword before he could get the first word out of his mouth. Since none of it could have happened the way, we must assume it didn't. And as with all these other manufactured events, what happened here happened only in a completely controlled environment. The prepared story was planted later, and a fair number of people were hired to tell stories to corroborate the event. The story was fake. The witnesses were fake. The murder was fake. And Lincoln is living with Tupac in Cuba, chilling. Yeah. He's hundred he's two hundred and fifty now. <laughs> he looks great though. He looks like not a day over hundred and four. Well, and you so you know what happened with John Wilkes Booth. What? He after those fourteen days of hiding or whatever, he they they eventually uh, catch up with him in a barn. They they managed to, you know, shoot him a couple of times. And he locked himself in a barn. They set it on fire. And so he was like, at least let me out so I can fight you like, you know, like a man. And they were like, no. Nah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys shot into the barn, hit his spine, and he couldn't move. Oh, wow. And so I think like one of his last words or something like that was like, I, I can't move. I can't move. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't make much sense alive. because... There are reports that people identified his body and stuff. So if he was like burnt to a crisp, how are they identifying his body? Yeah, for sure. So I have contradicting oh. theory. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, part two, stay tuned because I know some of you are saying nay. Nay to this all being fake. And I will bring you more profound evidence that it was. And reasons why they would want to fake his assassination because in the end why yeah for sure definitely wondering what the deal is is lincoln just need a vacation i mean <laughs> you would have to need a vacation after the civil war fair enough half of your country fought the other half yeah <laughs> it's not even done yet yeah it's doubt. not even done yet <laughs> and people are getting pissed about it and tired about it and don't want to do it anymore so why Stay tuned for the next episode of Lincoln, Lincoln Not Really Assassinated. Bring your Lincoln logs. Be honest. <laughs> I was trying to think of a few things. Chop <laughs> down a cherry wood. tree. Bring no, that's dentures. Washington. That's yeah, Washington. Washington. They, they both had dentures, right? No, no just Washington. Just Washington. And the no. wooden teeth. Yeah. They weren't wooden, though. That's I mean, a but that's the thing, though, yeah. you know the story or whatever that's the story and he's sticking to it and he chopped down the cherry tree and he lied yeah he's yeah. a liar while honest Abe couldn't <laughs> couldn't tell a lie 
So you may be thinking to yourself, how can I decipher the true knowledge from all the brainwashing knowledge that the powers that be want me to think that I know that I know? Meditate. Look within. All the answers are within. It may be, you know, a little scary at first. Oh, I just got to sit there. Nothing's happening. I feel frustrated. I don't like meditating. It's weird. You know, there's many forms of meditation, walking meditation, sitting meditation, transcendental meditation. Find the one that works for you. Sit with yourself. Look within. You'll, your, your true essence will tell you the truth mm-hmm. and listen and learn. And for laugh. Yeah, and live happily. <laughs> Follow your heart and your greatest desires, not your, you know, animal basic nature, but, you know, the higher desires. Okay. This is the podcast. <laughs> we did it. We it did a happened. whole thing, guys. Yeah. Ha- and that's just part one. Part one. We got uh, part two. A three, possibly three part series. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try. I, yeah, it might be three. I'll I'll try my best to get through it, guys. (laughs) Hefty information out there. Thanks for listening. I'm Tristan. I'm Robert. I'm Colin. Yay! (laughs) New episodes every Monday. Want more High Mystery? Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash highmystery for exclusive episodes every Friday. Merchandise can be found at our website at highmystery.com. Stay up to date by following us on Facebook and Instagram at highmystery for fan art, news, and upcoming events. Thanks for listening.